This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. The language used throughout American soccer is weak and ugly. Using words like pace and phrases like whipping across instead of words like elegance and skipping by a player have consequences. And depending on your particular vocabulary, it can expand or limit your judgment of the sport as a whole. So today, we are going to discuss the need to expand our vocabulary here in the United States and what some of the benefits and the consequences of language are. Now, when you sit in a cafe in Argentina or Spain, the types of footballing conversations that take place are lively, but also nuanced. As I've said before, if you get in a taxi cab in a foreign country, the driver is likely capable of providing you with a more authentic and deep soccer education than what you'd receive at a coaching course here in the United States. Now, that's not to say we don't have that type of hardcore soccer culture here in the United States that talks about the game in that way, because we absolutely do. But the voices dominating the conversations are largely those who don't come from that type of soccer-first culture with that sort of soccer sophistication. In America, even our most prominent soccer journalists and media members still haven't graduated beyond the same recycled talking points like pace and physicality. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that the language of the media ultimately becomes the language of the general fan base. Furthermore, the language used throughout American soccer, youth to professional, is still heavily influenced from past generations of English football culture, while other cultures have historically been excluded and even discriminated against. The natural byproduct of that discrimination is that those cultures have little to no influence on our vocabulary. So, the question remains, why do we have a particular vocabulary over another? And a bigger question looms, Could our current soccer language be holding us back? We're going to address these questions and provide a fresh perspective on the way soccer is talked about here in America. And we will get into everything right after this quick message about our online coaching programs. When it comes to coaching education, being able to discern what will and won't help you can be a costly and confusing exercise. I know this because I've experienced it myself. It's frustrating. The internet is flooded with so much information. There are thousands of drills out there for you to watch. There are tons of things that you can try with your teams and with your players. But without context and without proper guidance from a legit mentor, you're not going to get the edge that you're looking for or the results that you want. That's what the 343 Premium Coaching Education Program gets right. It's rooted in the real experiences of coaching boys and girls soccer right here in America. As a coach, Brian Kleiben has faced the same issues like training just twice per week, kids missing practice, field congestion, pay to play, you name it. But by using the 343 framework and staying consistent with the methodology, he has been able to overcome the obstacles and produce college-level, professional, and international caliber players. What the 343 Coaching Program offers you is unlike anything else in the country because it cannot be replicated. It's not theory or speculation like you'd see in a presentation, and it's not staged and scripted like you'd get at a convention. This program is the work of a master practitioner, his real art, 
captured and delivered to you in its purest form to help you gain an advantage and become a better coach. The program features videos of Brian mic'd up during actual training sessions with his own players and teams as they prepare for their league games and tournaments. This is the only program in the country that gives you this type of authentic, behind-the-curtain look at player, team, and coach development. So if you're looking for just drills, well, we've got those, but more importantly, we have the mentorship, the proven results, and the community of ambitious coaches that you won't find anywhere else. To experience all of this, consider joining the 343 Premium Coaching Education Program. You can find all of the details at 343coaching.com. One thing that continues to impress me about Brian Clyburn is the way that he talks about the game to his players, to his colleagues, and to himself. I was reminded of this during the launch of his YouTube miniseries in April 2020, in which he broke down the entire US U20 player pool. Player by player, position by position, Brian provided deep insight into why he believed certain players should be on the roster and why others shouldn't even be able to sniff the field. He compared our U20s to top-level examples like Kevin De Bruyne and Hamas Rodriguez. He said, bluntly, that other players just didn't have anything to offer other than their physical attributes. But it was his enthusiasm and the language he used that really popped in my opinion. Having grown up in an Argentinian household, it's no surprise to me that this is just standard operating procedure for Brian and for many other immigrants residing in this country. I myself was shaped on the ideals of the Croatian national team that finished third in the 1998 World Cup. But one thing that has stuck out to me about immigrant culture is the passion with which they discuss the game. It's just different. A habit that I grew to look forward to was calling my dad after a game and absolutely ripping the Croatian national team to shreds, whether they won or they lost. And I remember games that they won by four, sometimes even five goals, and it was still shit in our opinions. That type of passionate discourse just doesn't seem to exist at scale in American soccer circles. For the most part, it's casual, and we've discussed why that is in other episodes. But another thing that didn't surprise me about Brian's YouTube series is that quite a few people seem to pick up on and enjoy how he was describing the players and comparing them to top-level pros. Why? Well, first off, it's so much different than what most American soccer fans are used to when players are discussed. Comparing players, or pattern matching, is something that is rarely done in American soccer, especially not in American soccer media. If the standard was to compare our next generations to today's global superstars, well, we probably wouldn't hear much about the Paxtons and the Westons, because who would they be compared to? By using examples of top-level players, Brian helped to paint clear visuals for what the player's potential could be, or, in some cases, what their pitfalls are. For example, he said, Efra Alvarez strokes the ball like Hamas Rodriguez. Well, there are two things in that statement. The obvious is the comparison of one of our brightest prospects to a world-class player. The not-so-obvious is the use of the word stroke. This is where we can begin to talk about some of the actual words and phrases and what changing your vocabulary could potentially do for you. Talk the talk. How often are you talking about the way a player strokes the ball? How many different types of strokes does the best American player have? 
Can you identify those strokes? Do you know what each different stroke is used for? Is there one stroke in particular that the player hits better than the rest of his peers? AKA, is he world-class in any particular stroke? You see how much more conversation can be generated by just changing one word in the vocabulary? You see how many layers can be uncovered? In 2018, Sports Illustrated's Brian Strauss was taken aback by the different vocabulary being used at the World Cup in Russia, specifically the use of the word protagonist. Brian Strauss tweeted, No coach who's a native English speaker uses the word protagonist. Every coach who speaks any other language, according to World Cup translators, uses the word protagonist constantly. What word is being turned into protagonist? Or are we just shitty coaches? End quote. Almost one year exactly prior to that date, Brian Kleiben discussed his coaching role model, Marcelo Bielsa, with Soccer America's Mike Waitala. And here's what Brian Kleiben had to say. When he took over after the 1998 World Cup, Argentina finally had a clear-cut identity, aggressive attacking soccer. It didn't matter the opponent or the venue. Argentina would be the protagonist dictating play for 90 minutes. Italy and Rome? No problem. Spain and Madrid? No problem. Brazil and the Americana? No problem. He changed the culture and the mindset of that group and made them all believe that they can win playing this anywhere on planet Earth. End quote. But there it was. Did you hear it? The word protagonist. Brian used it one year prior to Brian Strauss announcing that on Twitter. As a prominent member of the American soccer media, how is it that Brian Strauss had not been exposed to this word or this idea of being a protagonist before 2018? Well, he, like many others, are familiar with a more restrictive language. Things like pace and box-to-box. These words don't frame conversations properly. These words and phrases lack clarity and they lack depth. So, how can we graduate to another level? We have to expand and change our vocabulary. What a new vocabulary can do is place your headspace and the headspace of the people you interact with in a different headspace. A headspace that has more precision and allows for more possibilities. For example, If the word protagonist were to become commonplace in our vernacular, it would enable us to start viewing and interpreting the game differently. Instead of looking at possession percentages and completed passes, we might start talking about who was the protagonist of the match. Not just which team, but also which individual players. What player received the ball and demonstrated that he was in control? Who took the initiative? The word protagonist reminds me of boxing and which fighter decides to take the center of the ring. When I spoke with Gary Kleiman about this, he said, that's all we've ever done with our teams. And that's all we're asking from our national teams. Have ring control, be the protagonist, take the initiative, end quote. He went on to say that we should demonstrate that in each game outside of the top 15 teams in the world. But even within the top 15, we should still attempt to be the protagonist. To make another boxing reference, it's not unheard of to punch above your weight. It must be intentional though, not the bunker and counter style that provides for lucky opportunities, which we've benefited from in the past, but we need to graduate from that. The biggest example in world football are Marcelo Bielsa's teams. Whether we're talking about how he totally transformed Chile from a minnow into a contender, or his recent project at Leeds, 
where he has demonstrated that this type of football can be played in England, even in the lower divisions. But most notably is probably his time at Athletic Bilbao and the side that he developed that completely dismantled Manchester United in the Europa League. They came in as an underdog, punched above their weight, and were the ones that dictated what happened. With and without the ball, they were the protagonists. Defensively, they pressed in a way that prevented Manchester United players from breathing whenever they were even near the ball. They suffocated Manchester United. And individually, each and every player was nasty. It looked like they were ready to run through a brick wall for their coach. Offensively, the team was efficient and exciting, sometimes going from one side of the field to the other in just a matter of seconds. They hit United square in the jaw over and over again. And just when they thought it was time to rest, nope, here they come again like a swarm of bees. That athletic Bilbao team were the definition of protagonists. And do you see how just one word opened up a whole new line of thinking and discussion though? There are so many more examples I could give, like the word elegance. When the player strikes a ball, does he look elegant or does it look laborious? When the player dribbles, does the ball look like a natural extension of his body or is he tripping over his own feet? When the player receives the ball out of the air, does it look effortless or does his first touch bounce off of his foot and land two yards away from him? These simple words and phrases can change the way we think about soccer in this country and have a massive ripple effect impacting the actual product on the field. Here are some other words and phrases I found interesting over the years. Caress, skipping by players, pass that floats like a bowling ball, a daisy cutter, a snake raper, spray it, cambio de ritmo, or change the rhythm. And I can go on and on. So many people though, from fans to coaches to executives, fail to see these intricacies and the beauty that lies within the game and the language that we use to describe it. Their conversations default to what they can easily see, which are primarily physical aspects. Paxton Pomacle has enough energy to run from box to box. Weston McKinney is strong in the air and gets stuck in. Timothy Weah has world-class acceleration. And people using this type of language are also constrained to thinking about the game in these types of ways. These physical attributes and these accolades are then regurgitated by media members. All you need to do is look at their postmortems. And that language then becomes the baseline for their audience and the wheel goes round. All of this to say, the language we use in American soccer is massively important. And now it's time for us to graduate to a new and better vocabulary. Our flagship program helps coaches and trainers discern what is good for their teams and for their players. But now we've created a program for parents because parents, you are personal trainers too. Yep, that's right. And in order to properly mentor your player, you need to know what's good and what's not. Just like coaches, you and your player are flooded with thousands of training videos on YouTube and Instagram, but most of them are a waste of time because they aren't relevant. They don't translate to the real game and figuring out what does and what doesn't and why is just flat out difficult, especially if you don't have a background in soccer to lean on. 
So we've taken Brian Kleiben's more than 20 years of experience working with teams and individual players from U9 to U19 and extracted valuable lessons that can help you navigate the minefield that is American youth soccer. But this isn't just about drills. That's only a small fraction of it. And to be honest, you can get drills anywhere. What you're getting with the 343 Masterclass are the cultural lessons and an education and philosophy that other trainers and courses don't offer. It's these elements that can help you understand the landscape, read the game on and off the field, and translate everything into real development for your player. Right now, you can get on the list for the 343 Masterclass. We are currently rolling it out little by little to small groups. To reserve your spot, go to 343masterclass.com. All right. Thank you for listening. Do you have a question about the topic that we covered in this episode? If so, we'd love to hear from you and we will be answering some of your questions at the end of next week's episode. Submit your questions on Twitter or head to 343coaching.com to leave your question in the comment section. Make sure that you are subscribed to 343FM on your favorite podcasting app. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more platforms. And if you're feeling super generous, we'd love it if you dropped us a five-star rating or a review. And don't forget that you can find our entire library of podcast episodes, over 200 written articles, and our online courses that help accelerate the development of coaches and players using methods that have been proven to work here in the United States. Once again, All of that can be found at 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time here on the 343 Podcast.